This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tim, former GameStop employee. This is episode 198. My name is Tim, and joining me, as always, is Dane. What's up, Dane? Uh, a whole lot of nothing, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, being laid off and everything. Um, yeah, so I guess a whole lot of nothing. You know, I will say, I... There is one thing that I really, really missed that I didn't expect that I was going to miss um, that much when this coronavirus thing started. Do you know what that is, Tim? What is it? Baseball. Oh, I, was, yeah. miss baseball. <laughs> I know. It feels weird that we're in the middle of April now and there's been no games played. And I mean, just this past week, they had Jackie Robinson Day, and it felt so weird having the celebration of that day and what Jackie Robinson did and what he means for the sport the country and all that. But yet no baseball games were being played and no, because easily when that they celebrate Jackie Robinson day, every player is wearing his number 42 on their jersey. It was, you know, it sucked that <laughs> that wasn't the case this year. So yeah, I'm with you. It's going to feel more strange and strange to start missing it more <laughs> as the months go by. Cause I don't know. I'm kind of preparing myself for no baseball at all this year, which is going to suck, but that's I know it's a, a possibility now with everything that's going on. So we'll see. But if, if we are going to get it, any baseball this year, it's going to be drastically different. That's for sure. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to do it. I mean, are they going to? Okay, so the season is now only seventy-two games or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, whenever baseball comes back, or is it? Are all the previous wins? I mean, are all the previous games going to be considered wins? No, they you can't. Know. I don't think they can do yeah. that. They just have to. It has to be a shortened season. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And I guess it has to come to a point where how short is too short? Where, yeah, like if they have a very short season with like if it's only a month or two, and they go straight to the postseason, would <laughs> any team or any fan really look at that championship? Yeah, that's as true. serious as they would any other one because how short it was. So, is there going to be an asterisk? Next mm-hmm. to that World Series win, like the the Astros, I don't know. 
I know exactly, and, and yeah. that's another thing. The Astros are getting the break of the lifetime with this now. <laughs> no one's going to care about them by the time we get. Oh, I'm hoping that's not the case. I know I'll still have that. They're cheating for 2017 fresh in my mind whenever baseball starts again. But I'm wondering yeah. what the fully like. If let's say it doesn't come back till 2021, are they still going to get? as booed and heckled as much as they would have this year and really feel it for the cheating that they did. I hope they do. Same here. At least you're not in the AL West, Tim. <laughs> you're being stuck in the same division as them. Just got to use that as motivation to beat them. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, that that's one thing I did. I do miss is, uh, it's not so much going out or going to restaurants. It's like, man, I wish I could just watch baseball right now. I mean, I know like um, the MLB TV is free right now, and you can watch older games, but yeah, uh, but it's still know. not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same thing, and you know, I just I just miss baseball out of out of everything. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Hopefully, we'll get something. I don't know what, but <laughs> something. Yeah this year but we shall wait and see but start at the, start at the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> that would really diminish the championship I like, think. <laughs> like like every team gets into the playoffs right and then you, you just eliminate them one game elimination games until <laughs> everything's a wild card game huh? yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one way to do it but that's true once you get down to four teams you can play a ALCS or a, D- uh, a NLCS, right? That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, playoffs are always considered a crapshoot before, but they'll especially be one of them <laughs> that way. It's going straight into it. Yeah, I guess the A's <laughs> will be out really quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. A really bad team can have them yeah, get start off hot and go on a winning streak and win a World Series title. <laughs> yeah, I know. Imagine like the was a bad team last the. The Orioles, or yeah, <laughs> Rays or well, the Rays the are pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, the Rays are good. Uh, the, the the Reds, you know, Sonny Gray finally gets a ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, well, one thing we can always count on though to pass the time is Dark Knight Rises watching it a minute by minute every two weeks. I mean, a minute every two weeks helps makes it go by quick, right? <laughs> if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess we have some, something to look forward to. Every yeah. <laughs> Just one minute out of the, these two weeks. One minute at a time. <laughs> but speaking of that one minute, it's going to be the two hour and 26 minute or when I say hours, not a minute, but <laughs> I should say the 146 minute and the two hour and 26 mark on the movie. So as always, get your VHS player, your DVD player, your Betamax, your Laserdisc, your Blu-ray, your HD DVD, your Netflix physical media disc, your Blockbuster membership card. And as always, the greatest of them all, the VHS to DVD recorded copy the only way to watch movies so if you got all those um i feel sorry for you because you got still hanging on to all those <laughs> dead media formats <laughs> but it just means you have plenty of options <laughs> but yeah i know like can, can you imagine if like you're a big investor and you're like okay this laser disc thing is going to be the next big media uh, type 
you know, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be it's the thing of the future. It's a revolution. So we're, gonna put, <laughs> we're gonna put all of our all of our um, money into Laserdisc and HD DVD, and then it it promptly goes goes bust. Yeah, <laughs> like in no time. Yeah, not even a few months really. Well, I think Laserdisc maybe had a few good years. I'm not sure it, how many. Yeah, it, a it had years. It had years, Tim, but not, yeah, but not HD, over five. HD DVD didn't have years. It had months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember seeing one, one uh, HD DVD uh, player, and then yeah. I never saw another one. Do you remember the Xbox 360 came out with an attachment? hd dvd player that you would plug into your system what really yeah uh-huh because microsoft was all on board on hd dvd and sony was blu-ray and so that was kind of the format wars going on back then like around 2006 and we all know what went out yeah. but a big reason it was probably because the ps3 had the built-in blu-ray and the 360 yeah. had to buy that attachment separately which wasn't that great yeah yeah that's true um so if if I remember correctly, you could still put a DVD into the Xbox 360, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the Sony, the, the the PlayStation 3 was only Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, it could play DVD and Blu-ray, but oh, it was the next big step, obviously. So yeah, yeah. Which is so oh. weird now that Sony did the opposite for the PS4, where it can't play 4K movies. Yeah. When- it can play games, but because <laughs> they were the ones, I mean, think back to the PS2, how it was such a big deal that you were getting a DVD player with your video game system. I, mean, I think that was a big reason why it was so successful, especially in the yeah. early days of the system. And yeah, again, the PS3 Blu-ray, but yeah, because I remember like th- that was what sold my parents on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, obviously I didn't have, what, $300 back in, back when I was, what, 11 Mm. so so um yeah that that was the big selling point where i was like they they saw that there was a dvd player in it and they could play dvds on it and that's how i got my my playstation 2 nice (laughs) (laughs) that was a big deal we're coming up on 20 years on that i mean it's already 20 years for the japan release but over here america came out in october and Man, that was crazy or a huge deal in the gaming world. But <laughs> October of two thousand two, right? No, two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. I remember that day well because when the Yankees won their championship that same day, beating the Mets in the Subway Series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that a sweep? That was a sweep, right? No, the, the Mets won one game. I think they won game oh. three. But <laughs> oh. It was almost as good as the sweep, but yeah. <laughs> not quite. It was it was probably too late by game three. Yeah. <laughs> they gave him a token win. They could win one game at Shea Stadium, and that's fine. <laughs> they let him have that. Yeah, which is what the, the Yankees thought when they played the Red Sox in 2004. Yeah, he had to bring that up, didn't he? <laughs> uh, that, that, that was three, um, three games to none, right? And then uh, they came back. <laughs> they won four straight. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then, what happened to him? Oh yeah, right. They won the World Series. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> See, I, I don't know what 
if I could change any series, I don't know which yeah. one I would change first: that series or the Diamondbacks World Series. Yeah, right. That's the. <laughs> You know what? One World Series I would change is the uh, Yankees Braves one. I wanted the Braves to win that um, that uh, World Series so uh, real bad. Uh, ninety six one. Or I think 99? so. Okay, because ninety six was the first time that they played each other. Uh, might have been ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Yankees swept the Braves that year too. <laughs> yeah, was that a? Yeah, because the next big one was the Subway Series. Yeah. The, uh, the Mets and the, the Yankees. And I wanted the Mets to win, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Yankees-Red Sox one, I didn't really care about, to be honest. I mean, I know that was a big historic moment, but, you know, I I didn't really care uh, about the ALCS. I didn't care about the World Series either. I so. definitely didn't care about the World Series. Well, I kind of <laughs> did because I didn't want the Red Sox to win, but to keep the curse alive, but that didn't happen. So <laughs> <laughs> I really don't care about that 04 season in general. <laughs> yeah. Even some of the uh, even some of the Giants ones I didn't really care for. I was like, ah, okay, good. Yeah, that 2014 one was a good series against the Royals, though. I'm trying to remember that one. That was when Bumgarner was just unbelievable when he came in relief in Game 7. That was a great Game 7. Yeah, you see, I, I, I don't even remember it. <laughs> well, maybe it was because the wild card game was so painful for you that year, and you yeah. didn't want to remember anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, some of the Cardinals ones, too. Didn't they go to th- was it three three uh, World Series? Yeah, 04, 06, they won it, and then 2011, they won it. Yeah, and... There were a lot of NLCSs, but I think it was the only World Series that they made it into. Oh, they were yeah. in 13 also, but the Red Sox beat them again. <laughs> uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's, it's been a while since I cared about um, a World Series, I, I guess you could say. Well, the, 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 the Astros-Dodgers one, I cared about, or I, I followed you got to follow all of them, but I guess it's just how good they are what makes you care and remember yeah. them later on down the line when some several yeah. seasons pass. But I think yeah. everyone's going to care about that 2017 win now, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, everybody's going to remember that one. Um, it's too bad nobody will remember the A's winning the World Series. <laughs> Come on, I still remember 1989, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was... Uh... 30 uh, years ago, Tim. <laughs> Almost 30 years ago. So. And I think we mentioned this before. Oakland, that's not even the most memorable aspect of that World Series. It's the earthquake that happened in there, which kind of yeah. took away from their <laughs> spoils yeah. and glory, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. They finally won a World Series, and they can't celebrate it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a big earthquake, and there's the recovery and everything. <sighs> Yeah, well, we're living, we're reliving too many painful baseball memories right now. So. I know. I know. Maybe we should do the dark head right. Yeah. Let's get our mind off of blown big leads and championships you could have celebrated. Uh, okay, so I will give the countdown in three, two, one, go. Well, I imagine every Gotham sporting event would have been canceled and postponed after the events that are taking place right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like pretty a, much. Yeah, this as, is pretty much uh, done. Yeah, Every, Everything is done. As you see, Missile's chasing the bat in 
blowing into buildings and yeah yeah well we already saw what happened to the guy oh, yeah, stadium football stadium so <laughs> <laughs> nice it's such a cool action sequence with the bat yeah i was about to say you know what this holds up really really well yeah <laughs> sometimes doesn't when you think about the movie this like aspect of it doesn't get talked about at least from what my experience anyway yeah but it is a really good one I don't know. Chris Nolan, the guy said he wanted to up the scale as far as this action beats in this one, and he definitely did with this. And Batman just killed someone else right there, it looks like. <laughs> but we'll have to see uh, what happens next. Is Talia going to survive? <laughs> I don't know. That, that onslaught. But, but, you know, one thing I do want to say is, I mean, he just died, but... Um, that truck driver is a really, really good truck driver. Yeah. <laughs> you saw I mean, what he had to put up with. I yeah, mean, not just a... the bat, but the missiles coming out from the tumbler from his own uh, men there, too. So <laughs> yeah, he's, so a, he's actually a really good truck driver. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you have to go to additional schooling for that, or you just need your standard CDL. <laughs> it's, a, it's a separate form from the League of Shadows. That yeah. they provide for their members. Yeah, I guess so. Truck driving, uh, uh, what is it? It's a training. Yeah, truck driving 101, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that does it for our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary, which can lead us into our feature topic, which is going to be all about video games on this one. Got me thinking how. We're pretty much close to the end of this console generation with the Xbox One, the PS4, and we're going to be moving to a new one sometime later this year. I don't know if new systems are going to be delayed due to everything that's going on with the coronavirus, but this supposedly still scheduled to launch this fall, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. So we're still going to get some games coming out, but I think it's time to think about not only this generation, what our favorite games are, but from each generation of consoles that we were alive to play so this one is going to be our favorite game from each console generation which wasn't easy to decide and got plenty of honorable mentions probably <laughs> that i'll talk about too but another reason which maybe want to prompt this discussion for our feature topic is because as i was talking about this being the end of this console generation and i think one of the big games that will be remembered for it at least for me that i'm loving the heck out of is final fantasy 7 remake that came out last week so before we actually get into our list i gotta ask you about the, that game dan because i know you got it i've been playing it so how have you been enjoying final fantasy 7 remake oh, i hated it Tim. i hated everything about it <laughs> uh, you, you quit already right <laughs> You're <Yeah>. done. <laughs> i uh i really really like it um they it, it's it's not a remake uh it doesn't feel like a remake to me in the sense that they've changed things i mean like the essence is still there yeah but it's i don't you see i, I don't i don't know how to put it into words without contradicting myself <laughs> you know it's like I, I said it's not a remake but it seems like it's its own separate thing but they're just retelling the same final fantasy 7 story that we played for however long right Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just fleshing it out more, um, but it, fe- it it feels like a completely separate thing. And what really surprised me 
what really, really, really surprised me was how they got the aesthetic right. Yeah, uh, dude. When, <laughs> when, when you go to the slums for the first time, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is exactly how I pictured it when I played it, when, when I played Final Fantasy VII when it came out. Um, this is exactly what it looks like. This is exactly what it feels like. Um, you know, they, they absolutely nailed it. Uh, and same thing goes with, goes with all, all, all of the, the uh, Mako reactors, um, the church, the church especially. Yeah. I, I, they, it's it's a exact copy, except they made it look better. I it's um, <laughs> it's it's near perfect, I'd say. Oh, I would agree with you one hundred percent. And you, you nail it. It's it's perfection in how you think back to Final Fantasy VII, the original, playing it for the first time and blowing you away back when it first came out, and then. It's so good. You play it several other times later on, and when you're playing it, especially later on in console generations, where you're seeing the improvements in graphics and what games can be now, and you just think to yourself, "Man, imagine if they would make Final Fantasy VII now. What the graphics would be like, the details on the levels and the environments." And this game is a dream come true on that front. And it, like you said, it's exactly what you would hope for and imagine when playing the original game, and just thinking about the possibilities of playing it with modern game technology and graphics and gameplay mechanics it's just delivering on all fronts i cannot be more (laughs) pleased with it just the opening section was just doing the bombing mission again playing it like you would play a a modern game with those graphics the voice acting now different combat but the new combat is so much fun and i love turn-based rpgs i would have been totally happy if it was just a standard remake where it's just a graphical upgrade and some voice acting and cutscenes and all that stuff that was being upgraded, but the gameplay was exactly the same. I would have been okay with that, but the improvements they made to it to make it more action and combat based, it's a heck of a lot of fun while still keeping some of those turn-based mechanics in there too. It's just so balanced perfectly in my opinion and just playing these iconic moments again with like never before it's just blowing me away every time i start playing it it's just incredible and just like you said expanding on this experience and the story that we know about final fantasy 7 originally just adding more to it which is so much fun and and the way it just for instance the moment where after you do the bombing mission and you're showing the aftermath of how midgar and just the residential areas affected by that you just see all the people out, out in the streets, uh, just in their homes, suffering because of what happened and wondering what they're going to do. Just the immersiveness that it creates. And like I said, when you get to the slums and expanding on that and just seeing more of it, it just makes me so anxious to see what's coming next as we move further along in the story. It's everything about it is just blowing me away. I cannot be happier with it. And I want to take my sweet time with it, but yet it's so fun. <laughs> I find myself spending hours with it. Right now, about 11 hours into it, I just met up with Aerith and I we were for, uh, just completed the church sequence and we're at her house right now. So that's where I'm at. Uh, not sure how okay. much further you are than me. Uh, think. We're almost at the exact same place. Okay. Um, after you meet uh, Aerith now, I guess, I guess we have to call her Aerith now. Yeah, because I'm she still... has a... I'm still used to calling her an heiress, but I'm yeah. the original Japanese release, so it's always Aerith. And I'm not sure why they changed it to Aerith. 
in the American release, but from every other official Final Fantasy VII release, Japan or American otherwise, has always been Eris now, but <laughs> to be sure, yeah. always be Eris. I think it was a translation problem. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, we're, we're almost exactly at the same point. I, um, you said you're at her house now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, see, I'm trying to remember now. Okay, we left the church. We went down into the slums. We fought the guys. By the way, I think I, I have the most fun playing as Aerith. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, yeah, She her um, skill set or whatever you call it is um, the best so far. Uh, next to Barrett. I, I really like Barrett. Um, Tifa and Cloud are just kind of basic. <laughs> <If> you, <laughs> I mean, it's just like the basic out, uh, thing, you know. Uh, but I really like Barrett and uh, Aerith, especially. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going through that. Um, I don't know what you call it, trash heap, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> he, you know where you got to move that big. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like he, he, he you got to move that big. I don't know what do you call it, the shipping container, and you got to go around just to unlock the door. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at that part. Yep, I'm just a little bit ahead of you, so you'll be around that very soon. And I also like how it's expanding to some of the side characters in the game, like Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge, how they pretty much yeah. had their own mission that you had to do, which was nowhere near what was in the original Final Fantasy VII game, but it's just... You know, enhancing their character, their characters, and their interactions with Cloud. And if you play the original Final Fantasy VII game, you know what happens later on. And it's, I think it's going to make that much more impactful. Spending more time with these characters that you're really caring about. So just stuff like that too, and how it's adding to some characters that didn't have the chance to get expanded upon in the original game. So that's another great aspect about it that I'm loving as well. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted to ask you because. I don't know how many times playing this game i was like i don't remember that yeah <laughs> or like I, I i thought this happens i thought this happens later um like uh meeting uh eris for the first time i mean um uh having her join join your party uh in the church i thought that happened uh before uh you i thought that happened earlier uh when uh you guys go everybody goes to, back to the bar okay yeah or, so, or that, that, yeah so far everything that stuff that's they're retelling from the main game is happening the same but certain added stuff is just mixed in between it so i don't think the original sequences are happening out of order they're still happening the way yeah. they were but just stuff's being added and sprinkled in between <laughs> yeah those moments as well yeah, especially like Wedge and Jesse, and I was at, I remember being like, I don't remember them talking this much. Oh, that definitely like, wasn't I, the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember them being there, and then they weren't there, and then, you know, I know, but it's great additions to it though. I yeah. so much. The first motorcycle uh, chase that you had with them was really fun too, because we all know that happens later on in the game. But to get another sequence like like that and pretty early on was really fun too. Uh, the spinning strike on the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really get like that, doing that. You get that new character too. I forget his name, but that cocky motorcycle soldier who you fight along the way in that mission. I mean, it was fun beating him up and shutting him up as well because he has a 
big cocky mouth but <laughs> it just annoys you <laughs> so it's always i'm sure that yeah. guy will show up again and i'm sure it'll be just as fun to beat him as it was in that that first mission you fight him twice right once on the once. motorcycle and then just one sword to sword combat <laughs> yeah 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 that's what i thought uh the tank buster that was a really hard fight oh, up to that point i was like man this game is kind of easy i mean did did i put this on easy <laughs> um but then that fight with like the the three phases the first mm. phase you're fighting it and then the second phase the arm thing yeah that was the toughest phase, part about for me was with his arms, with arms. disconnected <laughs> yeah yeah me too like I, I couldn't figure out how to like like who should attack the arms or like should i attack the arms and mm. then he, you know when he goes up in the air and then he sends out his drones and everything yeah, yeah. that that took me a, a little while, Tim. <laughs> I, I actually didn't die on that, but it was a good challenging fight. It wasn't like a walk in the park either, though. But I guess I chose because before that, you could kind of weaken it a little bit. You get these key cards that you're making your way through the right, right. reactor. You get to choose, like, deactivate certain aspects of it. So I chose to deactivate all of his big bombs that he had. So maybe that helped <laughs> not getting hit by those. So, but it was a fun challenging boss, though. I can't remember which one I deactivated. Wasn't there one um, like fast movement? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I deactivated that and then the rest just bombs. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so any, yeah. they kept saying any little bit that helps <laughs> defeating this boss, we got to take advantage of it. So I kind of knew it was going to be something that was probably the most challenging boss so far in the game, but it was still fun. And thank goodness I had a. Uh, during the arm where it's arms separated during that sequence, I had the summon ready to go. So if it came in handy, taking help me taking out those arms with surviving that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I did the exact same thing. Um, I, I, I just saw Ifrit. Um, and then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to send out Ifrit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then yeah, he helped me with the arms and then he goes up in the air. And then, um, also had, Kind of a hard time with um i forget is it is it reno oh okay in yeah, the church? Right after yeah. yeah in the church i also had kind of a hard time with his dashing and stuff and yeah. those um those drones with the electricity going across yeah those emp devices yeah, yeah. your limit break came came in handy on that fight <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what i had i got to use my limit break twice in that fight and that definitely helped take his health down oh, really a significant portion, yeah. Oh, you're lucky. Only had it once at the end. <laughs> the end of the fight. The end. Uh, it's like yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake has been everything I was hoping it would be, and more. The worst part about it is turning it off <laughs> and when yeah. you're done with it. But yeah, I don't want to beat it, it too quick. Yeah, beating it, and then you have to wait five years for the next I one. Know. I don't want to <laughs> think about that. I just know it's going to take forever if this one is any indication. <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's it's almost a perfect five for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't see what can happen later on that could really take it down <laughs> for yeah. me at all. It's just I'm loving everything. Plus, you kind of know what's going to happen anyway, knowing the playing the first or the original game, and but there's going to be some added stuff to it, which is going to be cool. So yeah, I don't see what could possibly hinder my enjoyment from it moving forward. I'm just the more I play it, the more I love it. No, I kind of have a uh, sneaking suspicion that they're going to change something big. I just don't know what it is. 
Yeah, you, know? you you might be right. I mean, yeah. obviously, just having Sephiroth be more involved in the beginning in this one's a kind of a big change, but it still makes sense that it, this would be something that Cloud would be experiencing. So, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to yeah. be a huge, significant change later on. But see, you, you might not be wrong about that, but we shall see. Or even um, Zach too. I don't remember this much Zach in the beginning of the the game. But but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't I don't remember him that often. No, like not until later. Yeah. yeah, right. You don't even see him until like the second or third disc, right? The third disc, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, has he cuz I'm trying to remember. I don't remember seeing him pop up yet in this one, like in a flashback or not. Is it just it's mainly just yeah, Cloud well, and Sephiroth, but yeah, yeah. When when Cloud is talking to himself, I thought that was. See, I thought it was Zach at first too, but it ended up just being Cloud to Cloud. Maybe it'll eventually mm-hmm. we'll get another kind yeah. of sequence like that, and Cloud thinks he's talking to himself, but it gets revealed that it is Zach. Yeah, right, right. So that's possible. Or, or or maybe it's because I know or or we know. Yeah. Who that is. <laughs> and plus, in the Advent Children movie, there was a lot of moments like that where he's. Surrounded nothing by white <laughs> backgrounds, and he's talking to Zach and Harris there. So maybe it was kind of harking back to that, which made you think that it was Zach. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I just don't remember knowing anything about Zach until later on, way later on. But, Do you ever have a PSP? No, no, I never owned one. No. There came out with a great Final Fantasy VII game. They're called Crisis Core, which pretty much tells it's all about Zack's story, and you get to play as Zack, and it's oh, really? really, really good. Part of me wishes that they would make that a console version somehow, just upgrade it a little bit, kind of like how they did the Kingdom Hearts PSP version for that collection. Just do that for that game, because the story on it's fantastic, and it's just great to get that more background to Zack and Cloud's relationship too, but it's really, really good. If anything, maybe you should just look up the cutscenes on YouTube and experience that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll watch a... What, it, what do they call it? Let's Play? It's called yeah. a Crisis Core? No, no. Um, oh. The the version of the YouTube video of a Let's Play. Is that what they call it? Or Walkthrough? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's walkthroughs yeah. of it, I'm sure. Yeah. There's probably some that just have a collection of cutscenes. Oh, where yeah. you don't have to see the playthrough. But... <laughs> I was just say you'll get emotional at the end because <laughs> you know what happens but really? the way it details it yeah yeah <laughs> okay i also like how you can see the the materia in cloud sword yeah uh-huh. the little gems <laughs> yeah but their weapons are even some of the armor that they have on it's just yeah, yeah really cool details like that that just helps sells it what where is eris's one though i haven't gotten a good look at her staff that she's using yet so yeah. i don't know i might have to try to look at that <laughs> as we move on and do some errands, I guess, is <laughs> my next mission was going to be. But... Uh, yeah, finding cats. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to complain about missions like that. That involved yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake, awesome. Play it. If you never experienced Final Fantasy VII before, I think you'll love it. And for those who have played Final Fantasy VII and love that game, this is going to be exactly what you're hoping for. I just think they did a great job with it. So yeah. will will this be the definitive game for this console generation? I don't know. It's gonna be up there, but <laughs> um well, what wait. would be now? Well we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but before we'll have to go all the way back to the very first systems that 
we played. And I, I'm not sure if this is going to be your first game because I know I'm a little older than you, but I'm going to start with the NES era. Oh, I thought you were going to say Amiga. <laughs> the, <laughs> uh, the Atari. No. The ColecoVision or what was it? something like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> so, yeah, the Nintendo was my very first system. And this was kind of hard because so many franchises that I love started here. And so many were my first introduction to classic games and gameplay styles. I mean, just think about it. Obviously, the first Mario Brothers, the first Legend of Zelda you got metroid on there um games like gradius i always play as a space shooter and probably a bunch of classic games i've never even played before <laughs> that are on there but also you know, final fantasy got to start there and even great licensed games are on there like of the original batman and the turtles games the first turtles game was good but not great but the second one that adapted the arcade game fantastic at the time they even added some levels on there so obviously the Nintendo is a classic system that you can't go wrong choosing multiple games on here. But I made it a strict rule where I have to pick one for each era. So um, the one I'm going to go with is Super Mario Brothers 3 as my favorite game from that console generation. Because to me, it was the pinnacle of what the Nintendo system was about. First being introduced to the gameplay styles of Mario in the first Super Mario Brothers. But then... Super Mario Brothers 3, I think, perfected that. Adding the way you select level, each world, you have, you on this world map, you pick a level. The way you get these different power-ups within those worlds, like um, the leaf where it turns you, that gives you the raccoon tail and ears that allows you to fly. You get one that, a frog costume that helps you swim, a fox costume that you get, which turns, turns into a statue that protects yourself. All these different gameplay mechanics that just took the Mario formula up to another level and i just remember being blown away by that as a little kid having played the original mario brothers and super mario brothers 2 being something totally different but when 3 came out and i don't know if you remember this thing did you ever see the movie the wizard with uh, fred savage no i haven't it's a <laughs> technically a video game based movie but that's where super mario brothers 3 kind of made its debut and the world got at least i did got to see it for the first time in that movie because uh uh, they enter a video game competition and they throw on this huge surprise. Like, you have to play a game you never played before, Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> and that's our, my first exper- exposure to that game and just seeing how cool it could be. And then finally getting my hands on it, experiencing all those cool new gameplay mechanics is just so much fun. And the way, like I said, it broke down each level into a world map and there's these different short mini games that I always found fun that gave you some power-ups. And then how at the end of each level, the boss fight would be the koopa kids their first introduction you go on these different airships to make your way there and then fight each uh, koopa kid who was who had this unique abilities and unique look that i always loved and obviously they lasted throughout the marvel the mario series as well so a lot of cool stuff was introduced in super mario brothers 3 and knowing how kind of the very first one is what you think about when you think about the nintendo entertainment system and how that started at all but I think Super Mario Brothers 3 perfected it. And I just had so many fun times playing that game. So I, that's going to be my favorite game from the NES era. It was going to be that or The Legend of Zelda, which obviously was revolutionary. But I'll be getting to that series a little later. So, But for this one, I think I have to give it to Super Mario Brothers 3 just for how perfect it was. Yeah, for me, uh, the, the first console I owned was the NES, the original NES. 
Um, but I had bought it um, right as, or I, I think the Super NES had been out for like a year. So what is that, 95? Well, the Super Nintendo actually came out around 91, I believe. 90 or 91. Really? Yeah, so you got this NES way late <laughs> if you got it in 95. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. Yeah, okay, so... Yeah, the I, I, I guess it had been out for a while. And, um, uh, of course, the first, the, the first and only game that I owned for it was... Uh, the original Mario Brothers and the Duck Hunt. Right? Yeah, the Duck Hunt a great game. combo. Yeah. <laughs> of course, a game with the orange gun. I remember buying buying the whole set from a con- consignment store. I don't know if you remember those, Tim. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to one, actually. <laughs> yeah, the, there was like a consignment store that opened up uh, by my house, by my parents' house. And I remember going, going and buying, buying it, and then as soon as I bought it, the the store closed down. So, so and, you got some time. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know where else to buy video games. Um, there wasn't really a store. Um, what became GameStop was called uh, Software, etc. Yeah, I remember that store. Right? Yep. But they 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 only sold computer games and computer software. Ah. Uh, they didn't sell video games at the time. They eventually got video games, but they only <laughs> sold like uh, computer hardware, computer software, and computer games. Um, so I didn't know where to buy games until one day I um, I went to a garage sale with my grandpa. Like my grandpa used to love to go to all of these garage sales. <laughs> like he would plan them all out on the old, you know book map right? Thomas guide <laughs> yeah and we would go and then I remember one time I found one game do you know what that game was Tim you you probably have not played it mm, there's so many games to choose from I don't know <laughs> if I haven't played it I don't know I'll take a guess uh, the original Metal Gear no okay <laughs> <laughs> far from it um, it was the Jaws NES game Oh, dude, I had that game. I owned it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, I had pretty much just three games for that for, for that system. The Mario Brothers, the Duck Hunt, and then the Jaws NES game. And I remember <laughs> playing all three of those religiously, you know, back to back to back, mm-hmm. um, all day, every day, uh, especially during, like, the sum, summer vacation where, you know, you'd... <laughs> You're not going outside. I mean, come on. We're not when you got a Nintendo system. <laughs> yeah, not when you have a Nintendo. And I remember just playing those three games endlessly. Um, so yeah, that's my three games. I guess you would say. So you got, out of the three, you got to pick one. Which was your favorite? Hmm. You know, probably the Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> the original Mario Brothers. Yeah. But that Jaws game. I think it's kind of has a bad reputation, but I remember having fun with it. I never did beat it though because it could have never, I guess, stick the harpoon into the shark <laughs> once you actually face them. But I remember always had fun driving your boat around the map, going uh, diving underwater, fighting these sea creatures, and occasionally you'd see the shark. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If I go back to play it now, I probably wouldn't think the same. But I remember yeah, having fun probably... with it back in the day. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and and that's exactly why I picked Mario is because I'm sure you can go back and play Mario, right? Super Mar or uh, or Super Mario or uh, Mario Three, and you could still have fun with it, right? Yeah, definitely. It stood the test of times. I can yeah, yeah. say. <laughs> all right, so two Mario games for the NES era, which I think is fitting because that's what started it all. <laughs> but now we're going to move on to the Super NES slash Sega Genesis era, which is my personal favorite era of video games. So that's why I really dived in hardcore to the gaming. I mean, yeah. you could say that for the Nintendo too, but for the Super Nintendo, that's I think has the best library of games with so many different genres and introduced me to different genres of gaming and the graphics at the time being so unlike anything compared to the Nintendo, but so many great stuff from the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. I was fortunate enough to have both. Uh, but Rich kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to garage sales, uh, good report cards and allowances saved up. Sure. <laughs> That's what helped me get them. <laughs> I actually got the, can... I got the Super Nintendo kind of late later, though. Yeah, I had a Genesis yeah, so, uh, but I had friends and family like my cousin who lived in the house back of us. She got a Super Nintendo and we go over there all the time and play or she'd bring it over. Then a friend of ours we got to know during that time brought his Super Nintendo over every week. So got to play it a lot despite not owning one for a few years. Yeah, same, same thing with me. I got it later. Uh, it had already been out. In fact, I think uh, the PlayStation had already come out. Oh, okay. When, when <laughs> I didn't get I it quite my... that late, but... <laughs> when i had my uh super nes um but but can i go first on picking oh, my favorite game because it'll be quick and it might be one of your favorite games uh the one game that i remember playing like uh, every single day not only by myself with with friends and stuff uh street fighter 2 dude man yeah that's up there <laughs> for me i can't even count how many hours i've spent playing that on the super nintendo with friends yep yeah and if, if i remember correctly you couldn't play as m bison or vega right nope not in the very first one it was just the eight characters the yeah, yeah, fighters, yeah 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 because do, you remember, wanting to... oh, do you remember the machine game genie that allowed you to enter cheat codes and everything it was because there was a game genie first and the kind of game shark was a big one during like the ps2 era but I remember it for, wasn't there one for um, Game Boy? There might have been. I can't remember. But I know the Game Genie was first on the Nintendo, and then they made another one for the Super Nintendo. And it wasn't good for your games because you were kind yeah. of messing up with the programming on there. Because there was a, I remember a friend of mine came with, guys, we could be the boss fighters in Street Fighter, like M. Bison, Vega, and Balrog, and Saget. And he entered it, and it's like you. I forget exactly what you do, but you pick a character, and they're all pixelated, where you can't actually see them. You see their character models, and but they're really dark coloring. They're pixelated. Like you can kind of make out their shape, knowing like you're playing M. Bison. I can't even remember if you can actually do their moves or not. But it was some go. Oh, this isn't quite the same. <laughs> Better turn this off because you're kind of ruining. Might be ruining the game. And there was another kid who would come over and play with us who couldn't beat us unless he had the game genie cheat codes on there <laughs> that you could do a move with only hitting one button that type of stuff so that was the only way he would stand a chance and would get mad when we turned off but um i remember that being a big deal like you said as far as not being able to play the boss fighters and having the somewhat opportunity to was a big deal for me i remember but still had to wait a little bit longer until the turbo edition came out yeah am am i making this up 
again, like with Final Fantasy VII, it's like, am I making this up or am I misremembering? I remember, I, I remember playing Star Fox on the Super NES. Wasn't there a Star Fox game? Yeah, also? that's where it, the first game debuted on was the Super right, Nintendo. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, I remember playing. I remember playing that game because I remember you you couldn't you, you didn't die immediately if you hit a building or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like, you had like a you, life bar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had a shield, or you had shield, and then you had life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I'm not misremembering. Yeah, I remember playing Star Fox on there, and uh, Sim City, Sim City. I remember. Oh really? <laughs> I remember seeing the box for Sim City on the Super Nintendo, but I never played it. Never yeah. got into the like simulation type games. Yeah. Um, also, uh, another fighting game, Mortal Kombat. I think that had its debut on the Super NES, too. Yeah, I remember that was a big deal because the Super Nintendo was the edited version, or the Sega Genesis had with all the fatalities and the blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so, it for me. So, Street Fighter is your pick, right? Street Fighter, too. And that was definitely high on my list. And man, the Super Nintendo was one of those really hard ones because there's so many great games. Street Fighter is up there. Star Fox was a big deal. I loved that game. And you think about the classic Nintendo franchises that pretty much had games that are still considered masterpieces today debut on. There's Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is regarded as one of the, still one of the best in the series. Super Mario World 1 and 2. And you think about Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> those games were fun. And the graphics on those being so... So unreal at the time, I remember those 3D polygon models that it used. So many good stuff. And the Super Nintendo was known for or great RPGs as well, Final Fantasy games that were on there. And can't forget about the Sega Genesis, the Sonic the Hedgehog debut in this era too. What a revolutionary game that was. And I only had four Genesis games, but Sonic games, I remember yeah, I rented well, Sonic the, 2. There was only four games, that's why I did it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it kind of feels that way sometimes. <laughs> I had Sonic. I had a helicopter game called, I think, Blue Thunder or Thunder Blue. That was like an old arcade game that they put on the Sega Genesis. That was really fun. And I had um, the Jurassic Park game for the Sega Genesis, which was I remember being fun where you had to play as Alan Grant or Velociraptor. So you had the choice there. And also, which was a huge deal, I remember at the time, Sports Talk Baseball, where you actually had an announcer call the game but it was one of those computer robotic announcer voices <laughs> where it was like up to bat number 41 hits it to first he is out <laughs> but at the time it was a big deal because i didn't even think that would be possible to have play-by-play in a video game uh, version of baseball so those were the four sega games i had and they kept me entertained for a long time but um now i don't know if you're gonna if i could do this if my, this might be considered cheating, but my pick for the best, my favorite game of the Super NES era is one I actually didn't play until it was re-released on the PlayStation, but it was on the Super Nintendo. It wasn't remastered or anything. They added some cutscenes, but they just put it on the PlayStation in a collection with the same Super Nintendo graphics and gameplay style. So I'm going to count it because it is my favorite game of that era, and that is Chrono Trigger, the RPG from Squaresoft. And for a system that was known for great RPGs like Final Fantasy IV and VI being considered some of the best of the series being on the Super Nintendo, 
it's it's you it's uh, it's a wide competition and playing field for rpgs on the super nintendo i think but i think chrono trigger stands above them all it was really i think ahead of its time the way that the story played out where you can things you did it's a time travel story and certain things that happen or you do can affect the endings you can get in the game which i believe there were 13 total different endings your main character could die and never come back and you could beat the game without your main character or you could do it where he does come back which is part of the main canon story but you can't have a version where he never comes back and you beat the game and just the way it created these memorable characters it's great music it was kind of like the dream team of developers because you had uh Hinorobi Sakaguchi from Final Fantasy being involved with it. You had Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball, as the character designer. And uh, the music, um, Matsuda, who I was going to say, he didn't necessarily work hand-in-hand with Nobuo Uematsu on the music in this game, because it is definitely Matsuda's score. But I think Nobuo Uematsu had a little bit of helping hand with it, if I remember correctly. But the score on it is fantastic. It was like the complete package for an RPG game. Story, graphics, gameplay, characters, soundtrack. Everything about it blew me away from not even playing it when it originally first came out. But I just loved it so much. I experienced every ending in that game. I saw all 13, leveled all my characters up to the max, and just really appreciated it for what it was for playing it years after it originally came out and just knowing how... It was why it's considered such a standout for that era. So I'm going to go with Chrono Trigger as my favorite game from the Super NES slash Genesis area, which is for me very hard to pick in that era because there's so many great ones. And I didn't even talk about the licensed games, like the Super Star Wars games that came out during that time for the Super Nintendo. Fantastic. Turtles in Time, amazing. I mentioned Jurassic Park was another good one. The Batman Returns and Batman, uh, the animated series game for the Super Nintendo. I played those to death. So. So that's why the Super Nintendo is my favorite console. It just covers everything. RPGs, fighting games, like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, platformers, adventure games, like Zelda, Met- Super Metroid, the fantastic Nintendo first-party franchises games were some of the best ever. Sports games were great on there. Everything. It had everything. That's what I love about it so much. But for me, Chrono Trigger stands above the rest. So if you're ever looking for a good RPG game to play, an old school one, Dana. Definitely check out Chrono Trigger. Um, I think I have played it on the original PlayStation. Okay, uh, yeah, because that's where I first played Final Fantasy. It's called Final Fantasy Chronicles, where it had Final Fantasy Four and Chrono Trigger. Yeah, because as we'll get to when we talk about the next generation, uh, I, I played a ton of RPGs on mm-hmm. the PlayStation. Um. Didn't finish a lot of them, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but yeah. All right, so let's get into the next generation, which is another great one. The N64, PlayStation, and I'm even going to throw in Dreamcast era here, but <laughs> I don't think any of those games are going to make it on. Yeah, again, the four games that was on <laughs> that were on Dreamcast. <laughs> Uh, poor Sega, I feel bad for it sometimes in the, yeah. the console wars that it lost every single time. <laughs> At least they tried, I yeah. guess. But this is another... Oh, see, it's not necessarily tough because I knew what was my pick here no matter what. But at the same time, I can understand it being tar- hard for someone to choose because this was another great era of games. I kind of look at the PlayStation the same way I look at the Super Nintendo where it really covered a wide variety of genres of games, of really great ones. 
that you can choose from from like rpgs platformers shooters and all those types of different ones that you can choose from playstation had a great variety of games and the 64 um not so much a great variety as the playstation because 64 is i think mainly remembered for for just amazing first party games from nintendo this a lot of great stuff came out for the n64 and as going straight to it this was pretty much only going to be a two-way battle for me between final fantasy 7 and legend of zelda ocarina of time but Anyone who knows me or listened to this podcast and some of our other video game discussions, it's not going to be a surprise for me to say that Ocarina of Time is my favorite game from this generation because it is my favorite game of all time. <laughs> it precedes really? generations. Yes. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I never had an experience like playing The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time where a game just moved me the way it did from on all levels uh, story, gameplay, music the interactivity with it, the way you just felt immersed in the game with uh, the environment and just little things like playing the ocarina, learning songs, just everything about it was the complete package. And obviously I love Zelda already, but seeing it like this with 3D graphics and the combat with the revolutionary Z targeting system on there, it was just a gaming experience like never before and one that I'll never forget. And just, sir, there are games obviously that look better now, improved, gameplay mechanics but that experience of playing that for the first time i don't think it's ever going to be surpassed for me and it is probably the game i've replayed the most that's not a sport or a fighting game but just thinking about a completing an adventure game several times i, I can't imagine count how many times i've replayed it and collected everything that's just how much i loved it i just wanted to keep going back and experience it so as much as i love final fantasy 7 final fantasy 7 is my second favorite game of all time and chrono trigger is my third favorite so uh the those three games are all in these uh two generations of video games or console generations that we have here the super nintendo and then uh this era with the n64 and playstation but yeah it's got to be ocarina of time for me uh, if i have it as my favorite game of all time there's no way i can't pick it for my favorite of this generation even though it had some great competition with final fantasy 7 and some other great games that came out during this era Hmm. See, this one is a tough one for me. I, I mean, beyond Ocarina of Time, it's not going to be that because I, like I said, I I, I don't really like that whole light light fairy uh, <laughs> elf uh, thing. So it's part of the charm, though, <laughs> which is the reason why I really I really liked Final Fantasy VII. You know, it, it, it it's a hard sci-fi um, story, sci-fi fantasy story, and people die terribly. Yeah, that is um, true. So yeah, Final Fantasy VII. If I can't pick Final Fantasy VII, you know, it's it's really hard because, you know, I, I really love the original Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, Resident Evil two, two and three. I liked um, uh, Metal Gear Solid um, 1. Think about all these great franchises that I got to start on the PlayStation. What was the ones you're just naming right here? Yeah. <laughs> I think they all came out the same year, too. Metal Gear, Final Fantasy VII, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, at I least pretty Starcraft. close. I think StarCraft 2. Star- StarCraft, the original StarCraft, came out in the same year. So... 
Yeah, it's it's hard for me to pick. Uh, there's a bunch of just random RPGs that I play. Lunar. Lunar's great. I, yeah. I, I think I played Chrono Trigger. Uh, Le- uh, Legend of Dragoon. That's an underrated game. Yeah. <laughs> I really uh, like that RPG. Never got past the second disc because I couldn't play the second disc because it got all scratched. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, Legend of Dragoon, Parasite Eve, another Square game. Um, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to pick Final Fantasy VII because I remember that was the first game where i it was like okay i need to pay attention to the story (laughs) (laughs) because there's an actual story behind it um it's not like you know golden eye where you just you you just go around with your friends and you try to kill Mm. you know your friends or whatever um so yeah i'm probably gonna pick final fantasy 7 yeah well i'm glad one of us has zelda the other has final fantasy 7 but yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, another thing too just want to mention you're mentioning golden eye how this console generation especially the 64 was the golden age of uh, playing with your friends and like couch co-op or not couch co-op but just couch multiplayer yeah. <laughs> with the 64 golden eye obviously is a big one then mario kart 64 had played that so many times with a friend who would pretty much come over almost every day and play that and then when smash brothers the first one came out that just took multiplayer gaming to another level with friends <laughs> and so 64 was known for having some great party games that and multiplayer games that you could spend hours and hours playing. And I definitely did <laughs> with some of those games I just mentioned there. So that's what's, yeah. that was, what was great about the 64. And, you know, an honorable, honorable mention, I'm, I'm not sure if it's part, is GameCube part of this? No, that's the next generation. One. Yeah, that's the next one. Okay, never mind. All right. Well, if you want, you can mention it right now because we are on the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube era. <laughs> uh, GameCube, uh, I, I kind of miss it, you know. I kind of miss the GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> it um, was a fun, quirky system. Definitely yeah. in its look, but hey, that's and the disc that it used, but <laughs> it had some good games, that's for darn sure. Not a lot of games, but that's some good games. Um, uh, Eternal Darkness. I know a lot of people haven't really played it. Um, that That's one of the best horror games <laughs> that I've ever played. Uh, makes you it, it it's it's one of the first games where I thought I broke the game I broke the system uh-huh. <laughs> it, it did one of those things that if, I don't know if it's become standard but uh, it sort of tricks you into um, thinking that you broke your system yeah because <laughs> it gives you the blue screen of death actually but um, it yeah it makes you think that you you broke your system and the game is broken um, and it sends you back to the the starting screen um but yeah uh, just a honorable mention is uh eternal darkness and when you wouldn't expect to be on a nintendo exclusive <laughs> when you got the xbox and the playstation 2 <laughs> out there so do you have your favorite from that generation or are you still mulling it over <laughs> i still have to think about it right. yeah I'll, I'll think about it yeah i'll go ahead and go with mine then and this one Again, I was probably not as great as the last generation with the PlayStation 64, but you got a new competitor in here with Microsoft and Xbox, and they really came out of the gate swinging with a, a game that became a classic and would be considered the definitive one for this generation with Halo, obviously. And so that's not going to be my pick, but 
this was at least for what I can remember the first time where there was really a three headed race for the, in the console wars for three companies because 64 with PlayStation Dreamcast came at the end wasn't really a factor obviously Super NES and Genesis there was no Sony yet but this was the first time with there was three in competition with each other and both kind of had to come out with some really good exclusives this is where getting exclusive was such a big deal back then from other third parties I remember this is the time where game, Nintendo made an exclusive deal with Capcom that got five exclusive games so everyone was fighting for their exclusives from third parties and trying to create some great first party games but um this is the era dominated by the ps2 there's no if ends or buts about that we were talking about earlier the reasons why so many people got it with a dvd player not to mention backwards uh cap- c- compatibility with its older games and just the games in itself there's so many great ones and this was really the console generation where the graphics just made such a substantial leap from the previous one. When you look back on the original PlayStation to the PlayStation 2, I mean, it's night and day. And yeah, you can kind of say that with the 3D models from the Super Nintendo being just 2D and 16-bit graphics to the N64, 64 bits, and the PlayStation 32 bits. But they were still kind of rough in certain areas, especially some of those old PlayStation games that were really pixelated. (laughs) But the PS2 and the Xbox and GameCube graphics, there was just such a big jump in quality when it comes to the graphics on there and the ps2 was the first and a lot of great games came out on there i remember 2001 being a big year for games for the playstation 2 like introduced some great platformers at least for me like the jack and daxter game and later on that in 2002 you had ratchet and clank which i'm a big fan of that series that got it started in the ps2 but also in that 2001 year you had uh, uh, grand theft auto 3 which is a revolutionary game at the time which i'm sure would some considered to be the uh, staple for that for this generation and what it did but tons of other great games came out that year i remember i haven't i didn't mention this on the last one but the tony hawk pro skater franchise i loved that series on the original playstation but in 2001 it came out for tony hawk's pro skater 3 which still is my favorite tony hawk game i played that game to death of <laughs> uh, the way you could uh, create your character you get customize your moves darth maul was a secret playable character and you can create your own character but take other characters moves so darth maul had a move where he would use the force to do some tricks with the skateboard so i would do that move for my own character so it looked like i got the force while I was skateboarding <laughs> tons of fun with tony hawk's pro skater final fantasy 10 we talked about that a lot on this podcast this is how great it was and a big deal for us again a final fantasy game that looked that good in the first half voice acting so PlayStation 2 had a lot of great stuff. And the Xbox, like I mentioned, was Halo. GameCube continued uh, Nintendo's streak of having great first-party games. Um, not their best in the series. Like Mario Sunshine is not my favorite Mario game. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker is fantastic. Uh, such a departure. I remember it was a controversy when that got revealed. But it ended up being a great game. But not my favorite Zelda game. Metroid Prime was great, though, for the GameCube. That took Metroid in a whole totally different direction. But um, it, did a, it was a great series. And then Smash Brothers Melee is probably still my favorite Smash Brothers game. Although the new one on the Switch, is Smash Brothers Ultimate, is pretty pretty close when you consider all the content it has. But there's just something special, I think, about Melee. The big graphical leap, the orchestrated soundtrack, the character roster at the time was so huge. I remember and the character like uh, character levels that you would play on there was just really cool. So a lot of great stuff in this generation. But my favorite game from the PS2 era is going to be the very first Kingdom Hearts. 
Kingdom Hearts, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of that franchise. I followed pretty much every game as convoluted as the story gets and ridiculous as it can get. <laughs> I've stuck with it and I've come to appreciate it in its own quirkiness, but I've always loved the way it merged. The Square Soft character or Square Enix now at the time, their characters mixed in with the Disney franchise. Something you didn't think on paper would work at all, but yet it works so well. And that first Kingdom Hearts game was proof of that. It's probably still my favorite of the series, just because it was special getting that to play it for the first time and seeing Final Fantasy characters mixed in with new characters created from the game while you're playing in classic Disney movie world locations. It's all blended so nicely. And the combat for it, I loved immediately. Even some recent Final Fantasy Final Fantasy games, I think, take their cue from it, like 15 and even a little bit of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think a lot of it stems from what they did with Kingdom Hearts and the combat there. And yeah, I just continue to love that game. I played it on multiple remakes. I just got it, not remakes, but remasters. I just got it again on the Xbox One. I'm looking forward to replaying it again in 4K this time. So this, this franchise, is, I just love it so much and how it blends all these great uh, franchises together and creating its own lore at the same time, even though it can be confusing. But it was definitely much simpler with this first Kingdom Hearts game. But I just remember being blown away going to these, at the time with great graphics, the locations of these Disney World mixed in with Final Fantasy and Square Enix elements. So, yeah, Kingdom Hearts blew me away back then for the for that generation, and I still look at it fondly as uh, my favorite game of that era amongst a bunch of other great games that came out with three consoles during this era, but I'm going to have to give it for Kingdom Hearts. That was one of the, the, the games that I remember buying the game and the strategy guide. Yeah, <laughs> did the same. I still got the uh, guide, too. Uh, for me, I, I guess I have to say uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, that I, is a good one, yeah. Yeah, I played that game endlessly, beat it, and you can still play it after. Um, yeah, I just love that game. And that was such a big deal when that came out. And just the demo yeah. for it. Uh, I remember uh, this is a good game in its own right. Uh, Zone of the Enders, which is like a, a mech suit game by Kojima. It was really fun. I liked it a lot. But most people got it just because it came with the demo for Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it was Metal Gear Solid 2 was such a huge deal, I remember. And I think for the most part, it lived up to the hype. But I remember it did as far as gameplay wise. But I remember the controversy of only be able to play right in. right in for the majority <laughs> of the game, which didn't sit too well on some Metal Gear fans. But. Yeah, well, well, you, you play Zim for the majority of the game, and um, I, I had no problem with him. Um, sure, that skin-tight suit is questionable. <laughs> I still don't know why he wore that, but... Even um, playing him naked at one point in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have no problem with it. Um, also, I remember this is so like uh, you sound stupid now, but it was mind blowing back then. Um, third person um, camera to mm. first person camera. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, and you could aim the gun. Uh -huh. I remember, remember that it was like, oh my god, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Metal Gear Solid Two for me. Nice choice. Even though yeah. Snake Eater is a great game too, but it didn't quite have yeah. like the hype yeah. level that Metal Gear Two had. Yeah. 
All right, so that takes us into the next era, which is PS3, Xbox 360, and the Wii. And this is where games gone into the HD era and full-blown online play. Except for the Wii. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that is very true and definitely noticeable. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I was mainly an Xbox 360 guy. I had a PS3, got that a year later after the uh, 360 came out. But... It was kind of one of those things, and this has lasted till this day, honestly, where uh, Xbox three six Xbox systems are my main consoles for third-party games, and PS3 and the PS4 later was ones where I just get and play the Sony exclusives that are on there. And this kind of started in this era um, because each of them had some great exclusives. I mean, the Halo franchise took off on the 360 with some great games, obviously, Halo 3 was a big deal, but Halo Reach was the big one for me. I just love that game. That's uh, probably my favorite of the Halo franchise. But then also it came out with Gears of War, which is obviously really big for Microsoft um, and starting another franchise for them for this console generation. And then the PlayStation had some great ones on this era too. I think none bigger than Uncharted, <laughs> the franchise they created with that and just how it's become. It feels like it's been around longer than it is, but Uncharted started with, I think it came out in 2007 on the PS3, but when you think about it, 2007 is kind of a long time ago. It doesn't feel that way though, but Uncharted has become such a staple in video game franchises now. It seems like it's been there even longer than that. But um, there is one franchise that stood out above the rest this console generation, and uh, I want to say the entire trilogy, because I love it that much, but if I have to pick just one, it's going to be from Mass Effect, and that is going to be Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect, the first one, blew me away with its storytelling and the decision you get to make as a character and the graphics at the time. I Just Bioware, I think, really knocked it out of the park with the and it, the graphic designs, the character animations, the world, that just everything about it was just so lifelike and nothing I've seen before in a video game, and it really blew me away. But then you throw in, like I said, the choices you get to make in the story and this whole world that it created in this universe. Um, I've said it before, but I think the character designs and creature designs and aliens are some of the best in sci-fi, probably second only to Star Wars, in my opinion. I just love the character designs it created for these different alien species. This is the first video game franchise where I got into some of the supplementary material, like the expanded novels that came out to expand the lore of this of the game and I read those, some of the comics that came out for it. I just really got invested in the Mass Effect universe. And it started with that first one, but Mass Effect 2 took it to another level with uh, the character interactions, the missions that you get to go on, the stories was even better than the first one. And just the final level or world, whatever you want to call it, just the final action beat of the game was something that I'll always remember, uh, the suicide run that you have to do. Uh, that in that game, it was just so much fun, and the, the choices you had to make, and make sure you do certain things with the characters to keep them alive. Uh, that's what I loved about it: how each decision you make would affect not only that game, but the other games to come. If you lost a character in the first one, they wouldn't be there in the second one, and stuff like that. Decisions you make would carry on beyond just the game you're playing into the sequel as well. So, the third one obviously was controversial with the ending. I actually didn't mind it that much. Um, the gameplay was as fun as ever. And they that update they made a few months after I felt I felt fixed some of the issues that um, some fans had with it that made it more of a complete ending for it. Um, so overall, I love the trilogy, but I think its high point was Mass Effect Two for just 
delivering some on every aspect that you loved about the first game, even more so with more great characters. The gameplay was more fun in that one than the first one. The menu RPG elements were handled a lot better <laughs> than that first game. The menus weren't as clunky and messy. So Mass Effect 2 was the highlight of that console generation era of, of games for me. But I would really say the whole trilogy. I just love Mass Effect that much. Uh, you see, this is where it gets really hard for me. Because there's so many games. Um, you know, towards the end of the PlayStation 3 life cycle, there was a lot of great games. You know, in the beginning, there was a lot of great games. In the middle, there was a lot of great games. Um, but it, it, you were talking about ex- it, exclusive titles, right? For mm-hmm. Xbox and PlayStation. Um I guess we. I mean, I, I I guess if if you're a real big Nintendo fan, you bought a Wii. Um, well, I, I do I I do have to say that this is the first console generation where I was like, oh no, I bought the wrong console because <laughs> I bought a Xbox 360 first. And, so I got the right console. <laughs> and, uh, no, because it died. <laughs> oh, the three red rings of death. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I bought a Xbox three three sixty first, and then I saw uh, the PlayStation three, and I was like, oh, I should have bought a PlayStation three. Um, and then I did buy a PlayStation three, and then ah. <sighs> This is where it gets hard because there's The Last of Us towards the end of the light, the PlayStation yeah, 3's life cycle. There's Bioshock Infinite again towards the end of the life cycle of both Xbox and PlayStation. Um, <sighs> oh, also, the, there was Heavy Rain. I don't know if you played that game. Oh, I forgot about that game. I, <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it, but. I remember that one being talked about a lot. Whatever. Yeah, the sort yeah. of detective base. Yeah. Um, you got to find the clues for the to to find the serial killer. Um, that was another good one. Uh, it's also the console generation of music-based games, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about that. I played a lot of Rock Band <laughs> with my brother. Is there a drum one too? Yeah, that's a Rock Band. A yeah. yeah. Um, but. I guess the one that impressed me the most initially, um, just right off the bat when I bought my Xbox and then when I bought my PlayStation, was the original Bioshock. Mm. Um, Because I don't know if you remember, but this is the era where uh, Call of Duty became this big thing, right? That's right. And it was just like a first-person shooter. You play through it, play through the story, then you play it online, and you play with your friends online, right? And, you know, it, it wasn't so much a Final Fantasy VII, right, where you, you have this expansive story um, around the combat mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. This big, huge story. Um, and I think Bioshock, the first Bioshock, is the first game that I, I think that I've played that melded those two components correctly, Uh or that that did it first, right? For me, um, it's a great story. It's not as expansive. It's not as big as you know Final Fantasy because 
you're in a you're in a uh, underwater habitat you know so you can't yeah. really have that huge world span uh spanning story right so it's it's kind of like what they did with with Final Fantasy 7 but it's on a smaller scale you know each section of the the underwater habitat has its own theme its own story um and it's it, it's just you know there's philosophy behind it there's there's a great story behind it and it's one of those games where you show up and you it, something clearly went wrong very very wrong and mm, yeah. you have to find out what went wrong and you know you find out the story and you know what happens when you know these things certain things go unchecked and you find weird human experiments weird art um, I don't know what you call them art shows or art portraits and stuff and weird uh, medicine and stuff like that yeah so for me it's like the first game that took what made Call of Duty so fun which is you know the first person you know I'm gonna uh, I have to find the bad guy and shoot the bad guy sort of thing and you pair it with a great story like Final Fantasy 7 does or Ocarina of Time does and I, I'm not saying that the the story of Bioshock is comparable to those two but it's that expansion of story that you know that sort of we're going to focus on the story and this Call of Duty thing is an afterthought mm-hmm. sort of right um, it, it, yeah like I said it's the per- it's it's the game that sort of combined the two perfectly for me and uh, yeah that's why I'm going to have to pick Bioshock uh, the, the first Bioshock for my favorite game of this uh, generation even though I really liked uh, The Last of Us I think The I Last was gonna of say, Us I, that's that's what I was expecting you to pick. I thought it was for sure going to be The Last of Us for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, the, you see, the, the reason why I picked Bioshock is because Bioshock was the first that mm. really, and The Last of Us sort of expanded on that and made it a bigger story, made it a bigger thing, um, you know, kind of like Final Fantasy VII, where you're going across the entire United States to find the cure, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna have to pick Bioshock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like this is a a good generation for a lot of like the expansive immersiveness with game and the storytelling really yeah. took to another level in this generation. Like, like I said, with Mass Effect, and you were talking about Bioshock and The Last of Us and Uncharted, it, all these games. Yeah, it it sort of became more cinematic. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, but I also cannot let this console generation go by without at least mentioning. Something that we never thought would happen, where we got a truly amazing Batman game <laughs> with Arkham Asylum in this console generation. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. You could easily put that up there as the best in this generation. It was really so good and just so surprising. And we talked about it on, I think we did an anniversary episode for it last year, but just how it was so unexpected to be that good when we're so used to Metacore Batman games and sometimes good one, but to actually have an amazing Batman game that's not just considered a good game for being a batman game but just a great batman game in general so and it started on this generation so that definitely would be up there in the top three or top five games of this generation easily 
But that's going to move us to our final one for our current console generation, which is it's PS4, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch. And sadly, I'm going to say this is the generation where I haven't played as much games as I used to. <laughs> I've probably missed out on a lot of good and classic ones, but time and money now is kind of more pick and choose for the ones that I know I'm going to love. Like talking to the Switch, for example, Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey. Those are two great, fantastic Zelda and Mario games that probably are some of the best in the franchise. And I just had a blast playing on those generations and I or playing it on the Switch for this generation. And I knew they were going to be great. So those ones, fantastic. And then with the Xbox One and the PS4, um, those were ones where I'm sure there's, I kind of feel I'm left out on certain big franchises, probably that a lot of people have been playing. And this is where like the old man gamer is going to come out of me because I think this console generation is going to be known for like the Fortnite era and those battle Royale, royale type shooters that I just never got into or don't have a desire really to get into. But this console generation has seen some great games of the ones that obviously franchises that we know about some new ones, but the one I'm going to choose because I could go with final fantasy 15 is one that I know I loved. A lot of people didn't seem to have that same opinion, but I thought it was a great next step forward for that franchise. Um, But, and kingdom hearts three came out in this generation, which I love, but for this one and, if you would have asked me the first probably week that I was playing it, I would think you're crazy if it would be my favorite for this generation. But it ended up being Red Dead Redemption 2. And I love the first Red Dead that came out last generation, which I think would be in that top five also. And for Red Dead Redemption 2, boy, did it just blow me away and take things to another level as far as immersive storytelling with characters you just really, really love. And... I remember us talking about it on when we first started playing it on this on the podcast where I wasn't getting into it as much as I was hoping I would. It started off a little slow. I thought there was too many extremely slow things you had to micromanage and a little too realistic. But once you got used to that and moved past that a little bit, it just became this open world of awesomeness, (laughs) especially if you like the old West time period. And but like I said, the heart of it is just the characters. Arthur Morgan, your main character, being with the Dutch gang and just getting really close to the characters in that game, even though they're not playable. They go with you on missions. You have good conversations with them. And the way how you're always on the move and running throughout the land. And the graphics are just beautiful. Some of the best graphics you're going to see in this generation. And the story was fantastic, too. Just like I said, seeing... Because pretty much you're spending with a family. They're different characters who aren't related, but... The gang they're in, they've become a family. And over the course of the story, you really start to get attached to those characters. And as things start falling apart, it really hits you as far as uh, what happens later on to certain characters. But then also how it just nicely goes in with the epilogue portion of the game, how it transitions, because this is a prequel to the first Red Dead, but how it transitions into... Uh, stuff you're familiar with from the first Red Dead. I don't want to give up spoilers about it just because I think it's not good to experience it as you're playing. Um, it just blew me away on all accounts after I got past that initial slowness. But it's, the combat was really fun too with the shootouts, the horse riding. Um, just everything about it was, I think, the pinnacle of this console generation so far and what games could be on 
taking that immersive immersiveness to a whole nother level with storytelling. I think Red Dead 2 really accomplished that. Though, as I said at the start, it might have some competition when it's all said and done after I beat Final Fantasy VII Remake, because I, as we said at the beginning, we're loving that to no end. So but I don't want to form a definitive opinion on that yet until I actually beat it. But for right now, I'm going to give it to Red Dead Redemption 2. And I didn't even throw in the multiplayer aspect of Red Dead Redemption 2, because that's like a whole other game in itself. And I only played like maybe an hour of it, but I definitely want to go back and at some point really dive into the multiplayer because it is like another story you create your own character it starts off with a story cutscene, and i just know the world is just as expansive as a single player so that's just another added layer to it which makes it so cool because i love the multiplayer in the first one and i think it's even better in this one i just haven't had a chance to spend as much time as i would doing it but i would like to eventually so yeah red dead redemption 2 is probably going to be my favorite for this console generation I remember that story stuck with me a few days after I beat it. And the same thing happened with the first Red Dead. So for them to do it twice in a row, and it was kind of for different effects too, um, which I loved about it. So yeah, it's almost a perfect game if it didn't get it off as slowly, start off as slowly as it did. But I think looking back on it, if I was to experience again, it probably wouldn't bother me as much. I just To experience the story from beginning to end would, would be another great experience. I would think now that I know what to expect. So yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, I think is the highlight of this console generation for me, pending me beating Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> Have you played the the online multiplayer? I just barely scratched the surface of it. I, I probably shouldn't even say yes. I pretty much created my character, did saw the opening cutscene, did a mission or two, and that's it. Hmm. Because I want to do co-op. There's a lot of co-op stuff. I want to play it with some friends. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, just haven't had the opportunity to. So it beats out Spider-Man, Tim? It does beat out Spider-Man. That was another yeah. highlight, though, of this console generation. That was really good. I mean, you could put it in the same vein as the Arkham games. But there's something about Red Dead and that story and the characters that just really stood out to me above the rest heck it was so good i even went on a western film binge for a little bit during that period and i don't really watch too many westerns but that just shows how much i just got engrossed in that that world of that type of story uh yeah you see for this one um the this generation started off slow for me because i don't know if you remember but i bought the playstation 4 when it came out Mm. um and there was no backwards compatibility yeah. to it. So there was only like two games that you could play. Um, I can't remember which ones they were, though. Um, yeah, but anyway. Um, it's it, Again, it's really hard for me to choose because each of the games that I have played, I've really loved, except for you know a select few. Dragon Ball Z. You had to throw that in there, huh? <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the biggest um, one, or the biggest misstep in this generation, I think, would be... Uh, Death Stranding. That's, well, that's another one. <laughs> but yeah. uh, why well, think It's the Bioware game. Oh, Anthem. That's the other one. <laughs> Wait, Anthem. Yeah, that was a big waste of time and money. <laughs> um, Death Stranding. It's, it's a beautiful... It's so beautiful, that game. It's just you're kind of just doing nothing. Except walking around in uh, it, uh, yeah. delivering stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, delivering packages, and it's like, uh, uh, but anyway, um, 
yeah, so it started off slow for me. I did, I didn't really I didn't really play a game that was like, oh my god, this is the game of um the console generation or whatever you you want to call it. Um but I am going to have to say despite Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man uh what else, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I said, this is the era that yeah. I didn't play a lot of the ones that are considered, I think, some of the best yeah. games of this generation. But uh, For me, it's going to have to be, or, or the one that blew my mind the most, again, kind of going off the Bioshock sort of theme here, is uh, Wolfenstein, the, the mm. New Order. Um, yeah, I didn't play that one. That, yeah, <laughs> I know. I yeah. know you raved about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I assume you haven't, but um, yeah, that one for me again. They take such a simple concept, just you know, kill Nazis. That's all you got to do, <laughs> and they, they they build this story around it. You know, the, okay, so the Nazis won World War Two. They've they've taken over all of Europe and Russia, and uh, you find out in the second game, the United States. And you have to, you know, win. You have to beat them somehow with, with your resistance movement. Um, but what's really stuck, I mean, it's such a brutal game. The way you kill these Nazis, it's, it's like so brutal. You cut off their legs and then you, 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 you slam your axe into their head as they're falling. Um, you know, it's, it's such a brutal game. But then there are these passages where it's like, it's it's uh bj you know the main character uh he's like reading poetry it sounds like almost and it's honestly kind of beautiful how 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 they they contrast the two you know like this brutal violence and then in the cutscenes he you know bj is talking in these sort of like little sort of runoffs of like poetry and it's like it's it's kind of beautiful um and the story is also really good how you know you you, you have to like counteract you know the, the nazis you have to break this scientist out of a um out of a concentration camp and then you gotta you know get the technology like they're using this old jewish technology to you know conquer new lands and stuff and I, I I just I just fell in love with the story. I I just it's it's so well presented and so well done. Um, and again, it's like the Call of Duty thing, where it's just like you can have that Call of Duty thing, right? Where you just go around shooting stuff, and but you you can build the story around it. And so it's it's pretty much the same thing that I was talking about when I was talking about Bioshock in the last generation. Um, I, they they just did, did a really well, uh, really good job, and they did an even better job with uh, the sequel, uh, the New Colossus. So um, yeah, that's why the New Order it was the first game where I was like, oh, okay, this console is good. I didn't waste my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting to pick Wolfenstein, but I know he's talking about how good it was. I'll have to check it out eventually i wonder if i just signed up for that xbox uh, game pass where they kind of have yeah. a list of games that you could play 
and I got it for a dollar. It's gonna last me for like the whole year, which is a great deal <laughs> because yeah. of being an Xbox Live Gold member. So I wonder yeah. if we, hopefully it'll be on there. Maybe I could check it out once it's on there. But yeah, you're making me want to check it out. <laughs> That's zero yeah, it's really it. good. But both games, uh, the New Order and uh, the New Colossus, um, especially the uh, the New Colossus when you're in America, which is which is really really weird to see. <laughs> Let me just say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some other games that to give a little shout out for this generation that I really love were um another one, Ori and the Blind Forest, which they just came out with the sequel, Ori the Will and the Wisp, which I'm gonna play after Final Fantasy remake. It's an indie game which the graphics on it are so good. I talked about it on some of our E three shows how it's the perfect visual for a fantasy type game. It's it's a adventure game in the similar vein to like Metroid and Castlevania, but it just looks so beautiful. I can't wait to play it. And also Cuphead was another one. I love that game. It's just the art style, like an old 1930s cartoon. And it's throwback to kind of old school shooters, platformers. So much fun just to look at even. That was great. And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. That was, I don't want to say a nice surprise, but it was great to get a new Star Wars story-driven single-player game that we haven't gotten in a long time. And for it to be as good as Fallen Order was, was uh, like, again, don't want to say a nice surprise, but... A welcome addition for a Star Wars experience we haven't had in a long time for video games. If, also st- if Tim, if you have a newer Xbox One or a PlayStation Four, yes, not that's all older Xbox One. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Star Wars Battlefront Two. I mean, despite its horrible launch, where it's at now, it's just a great Star Wars gaming experience that you could have for a shooter. The graphics continue to be amazing. The content that's on there, there's a heck of a lot to do on there to choose from. So despite its rough launch, it's become a full-blown game that I think every Star Wars fan should check out. And it's pretty cheap now. So if you didn't get it because of all the kind of bad publicity reviews it got for the horrible launch and its microtransactions and all that type of stuff, definitely give it another shot now. It's just a really good Star Wars experience for uh, playing on battlefields and locations that look absolutely gorgeous that you're familiar with from all the movies. So I wanted to give that a shout out too. Is Endor on there? Of course. <laughs> Can't have it without Endor. <laughs> or, excuse me, the forest moon of Endor, Tim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we saw and we now we got to see another moon of Endor in the <laughs> Skywalker, which is nice. <laughs> um, so, one game that I would recommend is uh, a sort of an indie game. I, I, I played uh, this developer's first game on uh, PC. It's it's just a basic PC game. You don't need like a, a, a good computer or a good uh. graphics card. It's just um, you're literally looking at pieces of paper. So <laughs> it's called, <laughs> it's called uh, Papers, Please. Um, and you, you pretty much play a border agent that has to like look through people's immigration papers and stuff. But uh, the <laughs> game sound exciting, but <laughs> trust me, it, it, it gets interesting after a while. Um, but uh, the game I wanted to talk about was uh, or mention just as a quick honor- honorable mention is uh, the game that followed that, which is called Return of the Obert Din. It's a. Uh, it takes place in like the 1800s, and it's a. Uh, it's your typical, the, the ship the Oberdin goes out, and uh, it's found without anybody on board. Sort of like sort of like the Mary Celeste, right? Uh, 
Okay. And so it's towed back to England, and you're an inve- you're. <laughs> this is weird. It's like like an immigration officer, and now you are a insurance investigator. <laughs> um, in this game, um, and you go go on board, and you uh, figure try to figure out what what happened, um, and you you have this cool this cool clock thing, this supernatural clock thing that makes you go back in time if you find like a clue or a body or a skeleton or something. Mm, okay. Go back in time and then you, you gotta piece together in a still image what um what went down. You gotta piece that piece of the story into who that who the people are and how it connects into a bigger story. Um but yeah, that that's my honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even heard of that, but I guess... Yeah. It definitely sounds more interesting when you said just about being an immigration officer or insurance yeah. <laughs> um, broker yeah, or whatever. Like, but well, well, the reason why the immigration officer one was really cool was because, um, so there's a war that happened in a neighboring country. It takes place in a fictional country, right? Mm-hmm. And the neighboring country is also fictional. So there's a war going on, and you have to let people into your country uh, that are escaping the war in the, you know, in the country that's the the border country. So you have to figure out, okay, so who's legitimate and who's trying, who's a threat, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Okay. I'll have to look it up. You said it's called uh, Papers, Please? Yeah, Papers, Please. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, And also, of course, Return of the Oberdin is really really good um again like you i i, I can't really um I, I i can't really devote so much time as i did during the playstation 3 era and playstation 2 era um i can't really devote that much time into video games so like short games like this is mm. perfect for me yeah i i find myself that being the case for me too as far as not super short, but games that won't take months <laughs> to beat that, you know, you want to play and move on to the next one. So I'm not so adverse to shorter games now that I used to be in the past. But as long as, it's a, as, long as it feels right, where not the story hasn't room to breathe and you didn't feel short changed on what you were playing for what you paid for it too. So I'm, there's still a nice yeah. balance, but I'm not so hardcore word out. I need every game to be 80 hours or it's not worth it. <laughs> Something that effect. Sure. Well, I guess now you would be. It has to be a um, battle royale thing. That's the thing, yeah. Right? Which yeah. I can't and probably will not get into. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's yeah. your thing, but it's not for me. Me neither, Tim. So, <laughs> all right, so that's going to do it for this feature topic. Um, before we, we fully wrapped it up, just got a few mentions on Twitter when I said we we're going to be talking about this, and of course we had to get um, some responses in about some of the classic Batman games from each console generation. And one response we got from Travis at Travis underscore one five six. He said the Batman NES game, which I totally agree. And as I always say, and I'll always say it when this game comes in the Tim, conversation. Tim, Tim, can I say it for you? Go go for it. It has a really good soundtrack. Yes. I was, actually, I was going <laughs> to say this time, the music alone would put it oh. in the discussion for one of the great games of the console generation. That's how much I love it. So obviously, you've heard me say it millions of times, Dane. So. Of course. <laughs> And then uh, Philip Barker at um, Unfiltered uh, says Arkham City. Um, 
obviously we mentioned Arkham in the beginning, but Arkham City, I think, is the one that is remembered as being the best of the trilogy, at least the trilogy developed by uh, Rocksteady, because can't forget about Origins. Um, but for me, it's always going to be Arkham Asylum. And just for kind of like I was talking about with Kingdom Hearts and how special it was experiencing that for the first time. Uh, that's the same way I kind of treat it for a Batman video game, that experiencing something on that level for Batman in a video game, I'll never forget and will always be my favorite. So uh, thank you guys for sharing in some of your picks for the Batman game for each generation. Batman, I think he does have a game for each generation. Obviously, some are not great, <laughs> but if you think about it, obviously the NES one, which is great. Super Nintendo, I mentioned the animated series one and the Batman Returns. And I don't think maybe 64 PlayStation. Oh, you know what? They came out with the Gotham street racer game for the playstation which was based on the animated series but i don't think it was that great and of course the batman and robin movie tie-in game came out on the playstation <laughs> so beyond not the best the, era which uh, one the the batman beyond uh, oh that's right yeah, yeah. Oh, i actually got that one see i tried to block that out <laughs> <laughs> see batman beyond had that this era and 64 had superman for their <laughs> horrible game for DC during this era. Not oh, a good one. Man. I forgot about that game. I, I should have said that was my favorite game yeah. of the N64 era. Especially, especially when you paid 80 bucks for everything on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Rumble Pack. The, oh, it was the memory uh, card memory in the card. game. That you get. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to let that down. <laughs> but nope. things looked up on the PS2 Xbox GameCube era with Batman Vengeance. And I yeah. think an underrated game, Rise of uh, Sensu which is kind of a sequel to Vengeance just because it's set in the animated series universe and it's kind of yeah. a beat-em-up game that you could have couch co-op on there, which was fun. Uh, Dark Tomorrow? Wasn't that, that another one? That's the down, <laughs> I guess, downturn for Batman video games that generation because that game is awful. Yeah. But the graphic, I remember being blown away by the graphics on that game when I was seeing images and I was just crushed <laughs> when it wasn't good. Like, uh, <laughs> again, we're never going to get a good Batman game that looks this oh, good. Oh no, Superman 64 all over again. Yep, almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this game sucks. <laughs> Thankfully that changed the next console generation <laughs> was Arkham Asylum. So, <laughs> You know, that's one thing I'm thankful for in this day and age. We have reviews and the internet and people saying, you know, this game sucks, you know, because back then it would be like, okay, finally, you know, I saved up all of my allowance and I can finally get Superman 64. Yeah. <laughs> finally, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be flying around and fighting guys in the air. I'm going to, you know, save Lois. I'm going to yeah, do all this stuff. And then you get Superman 64. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, that's why I'm so thankful for this day and age where it's yeah, like, that's true. you know, okay, this game is good. Okay, maybe I should give it a try. See, we had reviews back then for when Superman 64 came out, but it was at the time where I didn't know that if a review didn't come out before a game was released, that means it's probably going to be bad. <laughs> and there was no review or hint. Or I didn't even know the release date of Superman 64. I just remember seeing it. At Toys R Us when I first started working that oh the game finally came out. Yes, I've been waiting forever for it. And the rest is history. <laughs> Not good <Yeah>. history. <laughs> Not good history. <laughs> <laughs> so so is that still the the worst game you ever played? Uh, yeah, I think so. It has to yeah. be considering what I spent on it. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be that. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to think what what's the worst game I've played? Hmm. 
You know what? I will mention it when I think of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by the time the episode's over. Yeah. Still got a few more things to talk about. But yeah. that'll do it for our future topic. But it was fun going through memory lane of the history of video game consoles and ge- their generations and all the different games that came out for those eras and just how much fun it was. And just how old we are now, <laughs> dating back all the way to the NES days. But uh, it was fun reliving those memories. But moving on to some news and discussion topics, nothing too big. Um, one big thing that came out just... Uh, I believe it was just yesterday that it was announced J.J. Uh, Abrams and his bad robot company are going to be developing a Justice League Dark series for HBO Max. Um, I believe J.J. Uh, bad robot are doing three series for HBO Max. One is, I think, a sequel to The Shining or something set into that universe. Um, but obviously the big one for us comic fans is that they're doing a Justice League Dark series. And Part of me is like, cool, J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are involved in developing a DC show. But at the same time, I'm not a huge fan of the Justice League Dark characters. So um, we'll see. I just think it's cool that J.J. and Bad Robot are going to be involved in the DC universe in a small way. And well, I shouldn't say a small way, but in a, in a way that, you know, we'll see if going to be connected to any of the other DC TV shows. But it's going to be connected to the Green Lantern show coming to HBO Max or not. But uh, I like the idea of J.J. working in the DC universe now after he's done with Star Wars. So uh, that was some cool news to get. But also some disappointing news just came out today before we started recording. Is that Comic-Con 2020 has officially been canceled due to everything that's going on with the coronavirus. And it's something that shouldn't come as a huge surprise. But still disappointing that uh, we now know officially we're not going to be getting a Comic-Con this year. I thought I remember reading that. They were contemplating maybe doing some type of online or streaming version of it, but in the press release announcing the cancellation, they didn't mention anything about that, just how um, they'll see everyone again in 2021, hopefully. So um, that's a bit of a bummer. It's going to be a quiet summer, that's for sure. Hardly any, no movies, no conventions, and concerts aren't happening. I had a 311 Incubus concert I got tickets for that in July that I don't think is going to happen now. They haven't officially said it's been canceled, but the way things are going, I don't see how... They cannot cancel or postpone it. So um, disappointing, but just part of the times we have to deal with uh, as we make it through this. And hopefully just hope for this stuff to return in the future as we make it through this uh, rough period right now. But um, that was it for. Yeah, you just reminded me of like, I remember before all this went down, um, the big thing was, oh, Rage Rage Against the Machine is coming back. Yeah, we're going to get a reunion tour. (laughs) (laughs) And then... uh, I guess it's not happening anymore. Not anytime soon, anyway. Yeah, not anytime soon, so that's yeah. unfortunate. I got like VIP tickets for the 311 Incubus show where I got a, a meet and greet. I got to get seats on the stage to hear it. That's I've never experienced for in a concert, which I was excited about. I've seen 311 15 times already. I figured this one wanted to do it different <laughs> to get a different experience seeing it from the stage. So a uh, bit of a bummer, but uh, I'm sure they'll make it happen again, hopefully next summer. Or maybe they'll reschedule. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> um, but we can move on now to um, our review section, which is going to be another review of the second issue of Batman The Adventures Continues that just came out this week. Um, so before I get into it, got to always give out the spoiler warning as I'll be going into the details of the events that happened in this issue. And for the rating scale, trying to think of what would be a good one for this episode. Something video game related, obviously. Uh, video games, 
that Dane and Tim have played that show that they are old. There you go. That sounds good <laughs> to me because it's true. It's good and true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Batman The Adventures Continue Issue 2 picks up where we left off where Lex Luthor has Batman in a chokehold <laughs> in his mech suit as uh, it was revealed that Lex was behind the theft of that container that contained some Kryptonian technology that he was after. And it gets revealed that um, it is Brainiac's head <laughs> that Superman has held on to and Lex wants it. And I like the dialogue between Bruce and Lex here. Even though Lex doesn't know he's bat- he's Bruce Wayne here, uh, they're kind of both showing uh, like they're saying whose company is better Batman was saying Wayne Tech's crew went through this and they found nothing and there's nothing you can take from it it's been wiped out and Lex says well that's Wayne's crew isn't Lex's crew like I'll be able to find something no matter if something's been wiped out I'll be able to find it and I like how Batman in his monologue is saying when I say Bruce Wayne's crew I just mean me and I know what's that <laughs> that machine is still capable of and in order to get out of the chokehold that he had that Lex had him in Bruce threw a battering to the disabled Brainiac head, but um, given the genius that he is, he was able to still find some working mechanisms in there to hotwire some circuits that fired a laser beam right at Lex's mech suit and freeing Batman. So uh, this is some more banter, fun banter between Batman and Lex Luthor trying to see who's the superior genius out of the two. So I like that kind of stuff. But then at the Batcave, as Alfred is patching Bruce back up, um, he realizes he's going to need a stronger suit to fight Lex in his mech suit. And we get a cool reveal where we get this kind of, not rundown, but almost like a prototype early version of the Dark Knight Return suit that Batman had when he fought Superman in that story. But we're getting the animated series version of it. And it looks pretty cool, but it's not quite up to par with it. It looks like some upgrades needed to be implemented to to like the fully full blown on mech suit that we know and love from that story, but it did have a cool look to it, and you know that's where they were drawing inspiration from. It was kind of cool to see the animated series version of that. So as Bruce is getting ready to prep that suit, um, that giant robot he fought in the beginning of the first issue, Alfred makes a discovery as they're looking at the schematics for it, saying that there looks to be two uh, cockpits um, in there for two pilots. Uh, Bruce goes, "That's actually not a cockpit; that's a battery," and that gives them the realization of what's really going on here. So. As Bruce makes his way in this cool mech suit with his jetpacks and all, uh, trying to find the location of Lex, one of his men spills the beans on where Lex at in a plane. As they're flying, uh, Lex and Mercy Graves, Batman bursts in to the plane. He's pretty much Superman in the suit. <laughs> He's flying. He has super strength. He just pulls, uh, stops the plane. Lex Luthor flies out, and they just have a battle in the sky as Superman and Lex Luthor would, but instead it's Batman in this cool mech suit, uh, which is cool to see. And then we get the reveal of this giant robot they've been fighting and why it's so powerful. Um, Batman disables it with some green electricity coming out. And out of the robot cockpit that Alfred saw was a second cockpit seat, but Bruce realized was a battery charge, ends up being Superman. <laughs> we knew Superman was missing and hasn't been seen for a while in the first issue. And Lex was playing it up that he doesn't know where he is. But in certain instances, he sure wishes Superman was here to take out giant beings like this robot. But it turns out Lex had him captured in this robot suit all along, which I thought was a kind of new twist that I didn't suspect was coming, but it was cool to get that reveal. And then just Batman and Superman able to disable Lex in that giant robot suit, no problem. And what I love a lot about the DC animated universe is that banter, that friendship, that camaraderie that Superman and Batman have and that the animated universe does so well. And again, it continues here with uh, Alan Burnett and Paul Dini writing here. Just that conversation Bruce and Batman 
have at the end and how Bruce realized, you know, how he could freeze Superman and Superman realizing, ah, oh, again, I owe you. And then just the way Batman treats and views Superman as a Boy Scout and the way he talks and just fun stuff like that. I just always love reading whenever Batman and Superman are together in the animated series universe. Just totally different characters, but yet they have so much respect for each other. And then the issue ends, uh, giving us another tease of Jason Todd being in this universe as he looks on the location to where I think he first met Batman as he's saying, this is where it all began. And it kind of feels um, it feels strange being here. It's like a creepy vibe, as he's saying to himself in his monologue. And we're seeing this location. There's some metal pieces kind of left on the street and on the sidewalk. I think giving you the hint, this is where he tried stealing the tires off the Batmobile. But some uh, loud uh, apartment uh, so apartment dweller in the in the building came out yelling at uh, Jason for loitering there. He's going to call the cops if he doesn't move. And then Jason pulls out a gun and just says, yeah, go ahead and try it. And we get the full look at Jason's character model here. Because in the first issue, he was just kind of hanging out in the shadows. He didn't get a good look at his face. But now he gets the full-blown reveal of animated series version of Jason Todd. And I just can't wait to see what they're going to do with him in the story. I'm just fascinated to see how he fits in the timeline of everything that happened in the animated series. So uh, this was a short, just a two-part story featuring Lex Luthor and that giant robot. Next, we're going to get Deathstroke, which, again, another character making his debut in the animated series. And I can't wait to see uh, what he's like in this universe. So another solid issue. Um, I like kind of how self-contained and short these are. Almost like episodes, really. These two issues can easily be one episode of Batman the Animated Series. And this was like a fun team-up one with uh, Superman. So I'm going to give this one uh, probably three and a half out of five video games that Damon Dana Tim have played that make them old. <laughs> so this series is off to a really solid start. And again, I think it's only going to get better and better as more gets revealed about Jason Todd and we get these new elements and wrinkles added into the DC animated universe. So I can't wait to find out more, but it's off to a really solid start. Really enjoyed these first two issues. But with that, that's going to do it for this episode. So as always, I'll go ahead and throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. All right, just go to the batmanuniverse.net. Facebook.com slash the Batman Universe. Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Shows through a handle is at Batfans Podcast. Tim's through handles at Tim G311. I'll say it because your, your concert got canceled. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. That'll make it a lot canceled. better. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my Twitter handles at Dane's Banana. Uh, rate and reviews on iTunes. You can email the show at batfans.uptans at gmail.com. So, with that, like we say at the, the end of every single episode, Tim, what's it going to be? So before I say what we always say, Dane, did you think of the worst game that you've played yet? Yeah, Anthem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Should have realized that earlier, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. sucks that it's so recent, too. But <laughs> yeah, Anthem. Uh, yeah, that was terrible. I believe it. Yeah. But like we say at, each and every, at the end of each and every episode, we love each and every one of you with all of our video games hearts from... NES generation up to the PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch generation. No matter how good or how bad the games are, with all of our hearts. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.
Jump out 